وَجَعَلُوا and they made لِلَّهِ for Allah شُرَكَ partners. Allah alone does all of this. And what did the people do? They set up partners with Allah. And what kind of partners? Al-jinn. The jinn. Meaning they attribute the jinn as partners of Allah. Meaning they worship the jinn. They thank the jinn. They take, they seek their protection. They sacrifice for them. And this was something that was happening amongst the mushrikeen of Makkah. Not just Makkah, but basically mushrikeen of that time. They feared the jinn. And because of that fear, what would they do? They would seek their protection. For example, if they were traveling anywhere and they passed by an empty place, a desolate place, they have to camp there, they would be afraid that what if they're a jinn? And what would they do? They would offer some sacrifice to please that jinn so that that jinn won't hurt them. Or they would offer a sacrifice for the greatest jinn over there so that he would take them into his protection. I mean... What is all this? What can the jinn do to you? He is weaker than you in the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Iblis prostrate to who? Adam alayhi salam. What does that show? That the status of Adam alayhi salam is greater. The status of the children of Adam, of human beings, is greater than that of the jinn. And what are jinn? They are ultimately the creation of Allah. Just like you and I. Just like so many other creatures. But what did they do? They got so impressed by the power of the jinn that they started doing shirk. They started associating them with Allah. Allah says, وَخَلَقَهُمْ Well, He has created them. Meaning Allah is the one who has created these jinn. And otherwise also we see that there are some people who actually worship the jinn. Meaning they worship Satan. There are Satan worshippers. And at the end of the day, anyone who associates partners with Allah, in reality, who is he obeying? Shaitan. And when he's obeying Shaitan, it's like as though he is worshipping him. Because who tells people to associate partners with Allah? Who? Shaitan tells them. Right? It is Shaitan who came to the people of Nuh a.s. Right? And told them that look, these righteous people have passed away. You'll forget about them. Your children won't know them. So draw their images. Make their pictures. Make their statues. So they did that. Just to remember them. And eventually what happened? People started worshipping those images, those pictures, those statues. So shaitan led people to shirk. So when people worship anyone other than Allah, in reality, who are they worshipping? Who are they worshipping? Shaitan. The jinn. In Surah Saba, ayah 41, we learn, بَلْ كَانُوا يَعْبُدُونَ الْجِنْ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِهِمْ مُؤْمِنُونَ Rather they used to worship the jinn. Most of them were believers in them. In Surah An-Nisa, ayah 117, إِنْ يَدْعُونَ مِنْ دُونِهِ إِلَّا إِنَاثَ They only call upon female beings that they have imagined. وَإِنْ يَدْعُونَ إِلَّا شَيْطَانٌ مَرِيدًا And in reality, they're calling upon who? Shaitan. Meaning, they are worshipping shaitan because they're obeying him. Ibrahim also, he said to his father in Surah Maryam, ayah 44, Ya abati, la ta'budi shaytan. Oh my father, do not worship the shaytan. Whereas in reality, what was his father doing? Worshipping idols. But worshipping idols meant worshipping shaytan because you were pleasing shaytan, you were obeying shaytan when you were worshipping idols. So, وَجَعَلُوا لِلَّهِ شُرَكَاءَ الْجِنِّ Allah says, وَخَلَقَهُمْ well, He has created them. وَخَرَقُوا And they have fabricated. خَرَقُوا From the root letters, خَرَقَاف خَرْق خَرْق is to fabricate something, make something up, without even thinking about its logic. You know, mindlessly make something up. You know, sometimes 
when you see these weird pictures that people draw, weird characters that they come up with, you wonder what were they thinking? Really, it's got like five arms or a weird face and an eye here and you don't even want to look at it. The other day I got my son um, a chocolate and in that was, you know, like you get those kinder surprise toys, right? And there was something like a monkey, but really weird thing. It had such a horrible face that I looked at it and I was disgusted. I took a marker and I just drew a helmet on because I could not look at that horrible face. It was disgusting. This is what khalq is. To make something up without even thinking about its logic, that it doesn't make any sense. Mindlessly make something up that doesn't make sense. These characters, I mean, how strange and weird could they be? This is what khalq is. So these people, what did they do? Kharaqu. They invented lahu for him, banin, sons, plural of ibn, wabanat, and daughters, plural of bint. They invented sons and daughters for Allah. Meaning they said, Allah has sons, Allah has daughters. Did they even think about the statement when they said it? No. Because if they gave any thought to this, they would not have said such a statement. Because how is it possible that Allah would have sons and daughters? بِغَيْرِ ilm Without any knowledge. Subhanahu, Glorified is He. وَتَعَالَى And He is. He is. Exalted. Subhana, glorified is he. Wa ta'ala. Ta'ala is from ulu. Ulu means height. You know when we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When we say Allah ta'ala, this is what the word ta'ala is. Ta'ala meaning he is exalted. Amma yasifun above what they describe. Amma, combination of an and ma, meaning he is high above the descriptions that they gave to him. Yasifun is from wasf, waw sadfa, and wasf is a description. So he is high above the descriptions that they attribute to him. What descriptions? That he has a son, or he has a daughter, or that he has a spouse. Because the reality is that Allah does not need children. It doesn't befit his uniqueness and his status that he should have an equal, that he should have a partner. Because think about it, He alone created everything. He alone created everything. Meaning everything is created but Him. Everything is created but Him. Whether it's the angels or it's the human beings or it is the huge galaxies and the stars, whatever it is, everything is created but Him. Jannah, Naar, everything is created except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person says, that Allah has a child. That means that that child is also a creature. Okay? Meaning, because the fact is that everything but him is created. But how is it possible that a khaliq has a child that is not khaliq? Do you get it? Because a cat, it gives birth to what? A cat. Not a dog. Alright? Not a mouse. The child of someone has the same attributes as the parent. Correct? Is of the same kind. Is of the same species. So it doesn't make sense that here is the khaliq and you say that he has a child. And who is that child? An angel. Who is that child? A human being. No. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. And besides, who needs children? We discussed this earlier as well. Who needs children? What do you learn in science and biology? Who needs children? 
those who need to survive. Because if they don't procreate, they will not survive. Their whole species will extinguish. Correct? This is why they need to have children, which is why if there's a bird or a creature which is going into extinction, what do they do? They try to make sure that it procreates. Right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that. He is al-hayy, the ever-living, the one who will always, always live. So He doesn't need children. He is above that need. Or people, they need children. Why? In order to feel complete. Which is why when a person is young, when they're not married, people keep asking them, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? Finally, when they get married, people keep asking them, when are you having children? When are you having children? Because a human being is not complete until and unless they have a spouse and they have a child. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is perfect even without a child. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing like Him. He is unique in His attributes, in His status. So subhanahu, exalted above is He. Ta'ala عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ Above what they associate with Him. So anyone who associates partners with Allah, whether in the form of children or spouse, na'udhu billah, what does it show? Their lack of understanding. Their lack of using their mind. Because if they use their mind, they would never ever associate such partners with Allah. They would never associate any partner with Allah if they use their mind. Badir, originator, meaning he is the originator of as-samawat, the skies, wal-ard, and the earth. Who is Badir? From the root letters, Badal-ain, originator, initiator. In the Arabic language, Wakiyatun Badirun. Wakiyatun Badirun is a new well. A new well, meaning a well that has just been dug. Badir is the one who makes something new. Meaning there is nothing like it before. Nothing like it before. He is the first one to ever make something like that. And when the word Badir is used for Allah, what does it mean? That He is the one who invented, created, originated everything, the sky and the earth, without anything like them ever existing before. When people make something, they always take their idea from somewhere. Correct? They always take their idea from somewhere. For example, an amazing highlighter that you may have. Where do you think this idea of a pen, a highlighter, a marker came from? From what? Those reed pens that the people used to use back in the day, like centuries ago perhaps. Right? And where did that come from? From a stick. Right? So a stick a reed pen, and then eventually they make pens of wood or plastic or something like that. So anything that people make, we take the idea from where? From something that is already existing. From something that is already existing. We just keep building on it. We keep enhancing it. And we think that we have invented something amazing. Whereas in reality, it's always what? An imitation. It's always an imitation. Somehow or the other. Right? You know, an idea that was taken from nature, you know, it's expanded, it's enhanced, and then we think that, wow, we can make such amazing things. Think about an air conditioner hmm? or a heater. Looks very amazing, but where did this idea come from? Cold air, you know, warm air, where did this idea come from? From the wind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to blow. Okay? So, 
Allah, He alone is Badir. He alone is originator, inventor. And He is the one who brought the heavens and the earth into existence without the use of any tool, any material. When people make anything, even if it's something, you know, let's say in technology, okay, the idea may be new. You can say that for the sake of argument. However, were the materials something that the people made? No, it's something that they took from the earth. Yes, they changed it, they enhanced it, they made it stronger. Okay, but where did the materials, the matter come from? From the earth. Just recently in bio, we discussed how um, antibiotics were made. And this company, what they do is that they create antibiotics from the material from the earth itself because they found out that microbes themselves are what defend from viruses and diseases. So all these cures and, you know, super uh, cures that they find are all from the earth itself. Yes. Because if there is anything on the earth, where did it come from? From the earth. Not from somewhere outside. We cannot invent. We can put together, we can assemble, we can discover, but we cannot invent, we cannot originate. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is badir. Badir as-samawati wal-ard. This is why he says, how yakunu it is lahu for him waladun a child. Meaning, how can he have a child? He doesn't need a child. He is above that need. And when he is the creator, how can he have a child? When he is the only creator, how can there be a child for Allah? And besides, think about it logically. Walam and not takun. She is lahu for him sahibah. A companion, a female companion. Meaning when Allah does not have a partner, how can there be a child for Allah? People attribute sons to Allah, daughters to Allah. But it's disgusting even to think about this, that who is the wife then? وَلَمْ تَكُلْ لَهُ صَاحِبَ There is no sahiba. And besides, sahiba has to be I mean, spouse has to be like the other. They have to be similar. وَلَمْ تَكُلْ لَهُ صَاحِبًا And وَخَلَقَ And he has created كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Everything. وَهُوَ And he is بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ With everything. عَلِيمٌ Always all-knowing. He is knowing of everything. And there is none like him in his attributes. When there is none like him in his attributes, then how can there be a spouse for him? How can there be a child for him? This is why saying that Allah has a partner, a child, is a very, very serious statement. In Surah Maryam, Ayah 88 to 90, we learn, وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ الرَّحْمَنُ وَلَدًا And they say that the most merciful has a child. Allah says, لَقَدْ جِئْتُمْ شَيْئًا You have done an atrocious thing. You have said an atrocious thing. How atrocious, how evil it is, that تَكَادُ السَّمَاوَاتُ يَتَفَطَّرْنَ مِنْهُ وَتَنْشَقُّ الْأَرْضُ وَتَخِرُّ الْجِبَالُ This is such a serious statement that the heavens almost rupture from it. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes the statement, hates it so much, that the heavens would rupture because of this, and the earth would split open, and the mountains would collapse in devastation. This is how evil this statement is. But look at how tolerant and halim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. That partners are associated to Him day and night, but yet we don't see all this destruction. If somebody says a lie about us, how furious we would be. 
We don't accept it at all. Furious. We become destructive. Shirk is the greatest lie, the worst lie, which upsets Allah. He hates it. So much so, that if He were to show even the slightest disapproval, this is the chaos that would happen on this planet. The skies would rupture, the earth would split open, and the mountains would fall in devastation. They would collapse in devastation. Why? Because they say that Allah has a child. Whereas in reality, He does not have any child. ذَلِكُمْ That O you all. Allah is Allah Rabbukum, your Lord. Recognize who your Lord is. The sender of rain. The one who causes everything to grow. Unique in his attributes, in his power. Who doesn't have a partner, doesn't have any children. He is Allah and He is your Lord. La ilaha illahu. La ilaha. La not ilaha any God. Illa except who He. There is no God but Him. There is no one worthy of worship except for Him. And who is He? Khaliq, Creator. Kulli shay of everything. This is your God. This is the one whom you should worship. فَعْبُدُوهُ So worship Him. Don't worship others. An idol, what has He made? What has it made? It has been made. It cannot make anything. A jinn, you may be very impressed by the fact that a jinn is huge, or has a lot of power, or can fly in the sky, or do something in, you know, in a millisecond. You may be very impressed. But what's the big deal? It's still... Makhluk, it's still a creature. Khaliqu kulli shay is who? Allah. Therefore, fa'buduhu, only worship Him. And when can you worship someone? When you're really, really impressed by them. Because ibadah is what? Khudur, tadhallul, humility, submissiveness. Alright? Which is with love, with fear, with hope. And this can only be towards the one whom you are really, really impressed by. Like you were in awe of Him. Everything about them amazes you. You know the word ilah, ilah is from Hamza Lamha. And the linguists have said that this word originally, it means to fascinate someone, to impress someone, astonish them. So ilah, God is the one who really astonishes you, amazes you. If you really reflect about him, his attributes, his actions, his words, you would be amazed by him. And when you're amazed, then فَعْبُدُهُ Only worship him. وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَكِيلٍ And he alone, وَهُوَ And he, عَلَى upon كُلِّ شَيْءٍ Everything, وَكِيل Disposer of affairs. وَكِيل from the root letters, وَوْكَافْلَمْ And who is وَكِيل? Caretaker, guardian. Responsible for everything. He is wakil over everything, meaning he is responsible over everything. Its management, its growth, its completion. He is the provider. He is the nourisher. He is wakil over everything, meaning he is watching everything, managing their affairs, every existence, providing them with provision, protecting them by day and night. He is wakil over everything. Not just you, not just your family, but every human being, every ant that crawls, every bird that flies, every speck of dust, from the biggest to the smallest. Who is wakil of it? Allah. Therefore, worship only Him. He alone deserves your worship, none but Him.
Because who else has these attributes? You know, in different religions, people have different concepts of God. They give different attributes to God. The God that they believe in. And if you analyze those attributes, okay, they may be impressive. But such amazing attributes, complete and perfect attributes, only Allah has. Right? Only Allah has. So when that is the case, then worship only Him. فَعْبُدُوهُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَكِيلٍ You know, sometimes some religions, they're just limited to a certain place. Right? In the sense that you can only practice that religion if you're of that place. Okay? If you belong to that race. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. Um, these verses really made me think about like atheism because it's very um, common, especially in the Western world, especially when we're studying biology in university or high school, right? But like, how can you have something from nothing, right? And ultimately, there has to be one creator who originated, as we learned in this verse, who originated everything, like first, right? Yes. How can you have, like the Big Bang, they say, but who caused that to happen? And at that precise moment, in this, like everything is so perfect, the earth is so perfect, this is the only planet we can exist on, everything, the temperature, the weather, like everything, right? Yes. Yes, what leads to atheism is that people think it's just too great, like to happen by, you know, someone. That all of this that has happened, that has come into existence, it's not possible that someone caused it. Why do they think like this? Because they don't understand who God is. Atheism is a result of what? Lack of understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if a person truly understands Allah, His power, His uniqueness, His ability, then everything would make sense to them. You know, in class, when you read about Greek mythology or Roman mythology, and we look at their gods, and they made like novels for us youth to read, we often see that the gods' characteristics resemble human-like. Yes. That, for example, there's the one main god, and there's another god whose brother, who's envious of the older brother. And that really made us think that how Allah is unique, that in a sense that he doesn't, he doesn't harbor human-like qualities. We can't even imagine how He would be. So when we make our gods that people make, we give them human characteristics, which Allah, of course, does not have. He's above all of that. Exactly. Allah is above that. You know, once I heard Dr. Zakir Naik's lecture, and in that he said that if there's any atheist, I congratulate them first. Because they have said, La ilaha. Hmm? They have said, there is no God. Now my job is to convince them to say, Illallah. Except Allah. And this is very true. Atheism is a result of what? Not understanding who Allah is. Once you understand who Allah is, then it will be easier for you to say, La ilaha illallah. There is no God but Allah. Because only Allah can be God. No one but Him. No one but Him can be God. And just look at the names and attributes of Allah. Just look at these verses. And they tell you who your Lord is. This is why Fa'budu who worship only Him. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, there's one new, new documentary which has just started with the name of Nothing and Everything. 
and it's uh, regarding universe and galaxy and everything. And the commentator continuously using the term, there is some unknown force which is causing everything to happen. So I was just thinking, if they only could understand that that unknown force is Subhanahu wa he's the God, and he's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is causing everything to happen. I mean, the way he was talking that there is so much distance of like 10 billion light years and between all the galaxies and stars and how the distance is just increasing and keep on increasing, which is also a sign of Qiyamah. And again and again that there is an unknown force, unknown force, and only if they could understand that there is someone behind all of this. And he is Allah. Yeah. And the thing is that we only want to believe in what we see. This is why people say, so we want to see God. Yes. alaikum. I just wanted to say that just like not knowing who Allah is leads to um, people not believing in him, or atheism, whatever term we want to use for that. Not knowing who Allah is also leads to weak iman. So sometimes you can say that I'm Muslim, but because you don't know really truly who Allah is, it can lead to weak iman and eventually leads to other of issues course. that we don't want to mention. Very true. Yes. Um, I remember a while ago um, a family member showed me this documentary and they developed this new theory called the law of attraction. So it's basically in their own words da'a that if you, in your heart you really want something, you'll end up getting it. And the person kept saying, there's this unknown force. I don't know what it is, but it's there. So, so who is that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's within the fitrah. And all these signs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spread them throughout the earth, in our existence, in the things that we eat, in the things that we see. But someone needs to reflect. Hmm? But the problem with people is, we want to see God. If He's really there, we'd like to see Him. Allah says, لا تدركه الأبصار لا not تدركه It can perceive Him. From the word, idrak dal ra kaf. And what does idrak mean? To perceive something. You know, with one's senses. So, لا تدركه الأبصار Absar, plural of basar. Visions cannot perceive Him. Meaning, the eyes of any creature cannot perceive Allah. Meaning they cannot see Allah. When, where? In this world. It's not within the ability of any creature to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether he is a human being or something else. And لَا تُدْرِكُهُ الْأَبْصَارِ Of all human beings, including the prophets of Allah. They cannot perceive Allah. Remember Musa salam. What did he say? Oh Allah, I want to see you. I want to see you. Because he spoke to Allah, he heard him. But what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, لَن تَغَانِي You can never see me. But still, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, showed some of his light onto the mountain. And what happened to the mountain? It just burst apart. Crumbled into pieces. And Musa salam, he fell unconscious. And when he regained consciousness, he repented to Allah for even making such a request. So, لا تدركه الأبصار In this world, the vision cannot perceive him. However, in the hereafter, some people will be allowed to see Allah. So basically what we learn here is, in this human body that we have, which is limited in its capacity, in its ability, it is unable to see Allah. Because the thing is that we have only seen this dunya. Right? We understand everything with the limitation of what? Matter, space, time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above all these limits. 
Okay? When he's above all these limits, no matter how much we try, no matter how much we demand, we cannot see Allah. The Bani Israel, they demanded to see Allah. But were they able to? No, they weren't. The Prophet ﷺ went on Mi'raj. He spoke to Allah. But did he see Allah? No, he didn't. When he was asked that, did you see Allah? He said, Nurun, anna urahu. He is light. How can I see him? Meaning I cannot see him with these limited eyes that I have. So realize that your eyes are very, very limited. And one more thing that comes to my mind is that there are many things in this world also that we cannot see with the naked eye. Is that correct? Many things. Why? Because either they are too distant from us, so we need something, you know, a telescope or something to look at what's happening in the sky, or they're too minute and our eyes cannot perceive that. Their uh, light is a form of electromagnetic waves and even then it's an extremely small portion on the large scales of things that we cannot see. So even though it's a wave, we can only really see a small portion of that, but we still believe it exists. Radio waves, x-rays, everything like that. We can only really see visible light. Yes. And sound waves, can we see them? No, we can't see them. But yet we believe that there are sound waves. They're beyond our vision because... Our eyes are limited in their capacity. Yes? Assalamualaikum. I heard recently on the news that everything that we see, we have three color cones in our eyes. So everything that we see is based on those three colors. But there are a few individuals in the world that were born, they call it an abnormality, but they have six color cones. And they found one person like this in England. She's a woman, she's an adult. And she can see a whole spectrum of colors. She can see things that normal people can't see. And they know there's more people like this, but they've only found one person so far that's come forward and is willing to be tested. But subhanAllah, there's people that exist that can see things that we can't see. And yeah, they can we see didn't color that we can't see. Colors that we can't see, things that we can't see. And we don't even think that there's things around us that we can't see that are right in front of us. Exactly. So. I mean, bacteria. We can't see it, but we believe in it. I just wanted to share that, like, it's just not in our make that we could perceive Allah. Even, like, descriptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can, I can't wrap my head around. Like, for example, how um, it's said that his arsh spreads over 40 years. Like, that's the length of it. I can't even begin to imagine that. So how can we even begin to perceive him if we can't even perceive the descriptions of him exactly i mean we learned that wasiyar kursiyyu samawati wal ard right if there's something that's really huge we cannot see all of it right we cannot we cannot perceive it in full so la tudriku al absar in this world we do not have the capacity to see allah so people can make as many demands as they want we want to see allah if we want to believe in him but the fact is that this demand, it's completely useless because you cannot see Allah in this world. That's just the reality. However, you can still recognize Allah by all the various signs that He has placed within you, around you. It doesn't mean that just because you cannot see Him, you cannot believe in Him. You still can. You can still know Him. You can still find Him near. But you have to try. You have to try. If you don't even try, then how can you? So, لا تدركه الأبصار But in the hereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give more capacity to the human body. As a result of which, human beings will experience more. I mean, think about it. In this world, what happens? 
that the body, it grows, it grows because of the growth hormones and eventually it begins to age. Right? And it begins to become old. And it begins to weaken. But in the hereafter, will this happen to any human body? No. You know that woman who came to the Prophet is an old woman. And she said, pray to Allah, you know, that I want to go to Jannah. The Prophet said, no, old people cannot go into Jannah. So she wept. That I cannot go to Jannah because I'm old. Hmm? But the Prophet ﷺ, what he meant was that in Jannah, everyone will be youthful and young. Youthful and young. The body will not age. Hum fiha khalidun. Mukhallad is used for a person who looks young. You know like some people, they're like 50, 60, but still they look really, really young. So such a person you would call mukhallad. They don't show signs of aging. So in Jannah, people will not just look like that, they will be in reality like that. So just like that, Allah will also give the human body the ability to see Him. Going back to the, the things we can't see, we just finished studying plants and their reproduction in biology. And my teacher was telling us how we know that bees and uh, certain birds and bugs pollinate these plants, but we don't know how and what leads them to certain plants. And he was telling us that they've developed goggles or, or glass or something that allow us to see UV light, which is the light they use. And if you were to wear those glasses and stand in a field with lots of flowers and trees, you would literally be able to see highways coming from the direction of the sun towards the plants and certain it'd be leading certain bees and plant and uh, birds and bugs to those plants and we can't even see that. We just know that the bees come but we don't know yeah. what happens. We just think that they're randomly flying and they're annoying us. Really? <laughs> There's pathways that have been made that we cannot see but Allah has given those pathways to them. So, لَا تُدْرِكُهُ الْأَبْصَارِ Vision cannot perceive him. Um, Assalamualaikum. Um, when you were saying how people were believing science and atheists always believe in, in Scientology and stuff like that, science is by far in any field, it's constantly changing. There's constantly a new theory, constantly a new fact. 900 years ago, scientists were sure that the earth was flat. 700 years ago, they were sure the earth was the center of the universe. 300 years ago, they were sure that the earth was on its axis and was not approaching the sun, nor was the sun approaching the earth. But it's constantly changing, and it's constantly developing. And to believe in something, to have the hope that there's only one true thing, there shouldn't be the idea that it's changing. It should be constant. So it's a constantly developing theory that never really has a true fact nor yes. a base. Yes, this is why we need to believe in some divine revelation, because we are limited in our knowledge and our understanding. Um, I think that sight is not something that you know we see with the eye. It's perception inside. As it's well. something that has to be internalized. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to understand Him, we have to internalize His attributes to understand Him and to see Him. And to know also, him. yeah. Sorry. I mean, think about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of His attributes is that He is nur meaning munawwir, right? Light. And think about it, the sun. We cannot even look at the sun directly. Right? Because we don't have that capacity. If you do that for very long, your eyes are going to hurt. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is nuru samawati wal ard, how can your little eyes perceive Him? They cannot. So if you really want to see Allah, then you have to believe in Him now. You have to worship Him now. You have to perform actions that will please Him now. So that in the hereafter, when your body will be stronger, more capable, you'll be able to see Allah. 
In Surah Al-Qiyamah, Ayah 23, we learn, وُجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ نَاظِرَةٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَةٌ Some faces on that day, radiant, glowing, happy, rejoicing. Why? Because they're looking at their Lord. And the people of Jannah, every time they will see Allah, they will increase in their beauty. You know, when they'll return to their families, they will say, oh, you look more beautiful. What happened? We saw Allah. We met Allah. We spoke to Allah. We were with Him. But everyone will not be able to see Allah in the hereafter. There are some people who will be deprived. In Surah Muttaffifin, Ayah 15, كَلَّا إِنَّهُمْ عَرَّبِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ لَمَحْجُوبُونَ Nay, they will be on that day from their Lord, concealed. Meaning there will be a barrier between them and Allah. They will not be able to see Allah. Despite that body that will be able to experience more. And what will it experience? Punishment and suffering in the hellfire. For example, if I'm orphan and somebody take care of me and give me food and shelter and everything, but I never see this person. Like a sponsor yes. in another country. And if they tell me this person is coming, how I will feel? I feel I want to see this person very badly. In the day of Qiyamah, Allah the one, He take care of us and He give us many things. We really want to see Him, right? Yes. SubhanAllah, after all this, if we die and we don't see him, subhanAllah, it's a great loss. Yes, a great loss, a great deprivation. You know, somebody told me about this boy, somewhere from Africa, a woman, I believe in Canada or somewhere, she just sponsored him. A little bit of money every month. And eventually that boy with the education that he got, he got into an Ivy League school in the States and, you know, became like such a big person. And he found her and he came to thank her. For the money, the little money that she gave him with which he attained so much in this dunya. Think about it. Allah is the one who has given you everything and you are what you are because of what Allah gave you. And it's within you that you want to see Allah. You want to know Him. Who is it that made me? Who is it that gave me everything? Who is it that tested me through so many things in life? And if a person is not able to see Him, it's a great loss. So, la tudrikuhil absar, vision cannot perceive him now. Wahua, while he, yudrikuhil absar, yudriku, he perceives al absar, all vision. No eyes can see him, but he sees all eyes. He sees all eyes. What does it mean? That your eyes, my eyes, are under whose eyes? Allah's eyes under His surveillance. He is watching our vision. You know, we have learned about that Allah watches our deeds. Allah hears what we say. Allah knows what we intend. What do we learn here? He watches our eyes. And that means He knows what we are looking at. What we are looking at, Allah knows. For how long? With what intention? Why are we looking at something? Is it okay for us to look at it? Or is it not okay for us to look at it? Do we look at something with greed? Do we look at something with hate? Do we look at something with jealousy? We look at something with anger? We look at something with happiness? With gratitude? He knows. وَهُوَ يُدْرِكُ الْأَبْصَارِ He perceives all vision. All eyes are under his eyes. وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ And he is a latif. Latif is from Lam Tafa. And Lutf 
The tawafa is to be acute perception. From this root, the meaning that you get is, you know, very, very fine, very fine details. So Latif is someone who is a very acute perception, meaning he notices every little thing about you. Every little thing about you. You know, for example, if you're looking at someone and they look up, do you notice that? Yes, you do. But you will only notice that if you're constantly looking at them. And sometimes you'll even miss that because they look up and they look down while you're blinking your eyes. You miss that. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He notices, He knows every single detail about you. That you looked at something for a second. You tried to glance at someone's, let's say, test paper or their wallet or the spelling of their name or something like that. You look quickly and you look away. Allah saw that. You know, for example, there are some images and there's image that's not appropriate. And you're like, astaghfirullah. And then you look at it. Allah knows. Because this is what sometimes many people do. They will say, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Why are you watching it then? Seriously. I mean, there's something that's coming in such a big size on your television screen. It's so manifest. I mean, a haram scene. And you just say, astaghfirullah. And you look away. And then you look again. Is it gone? And you look again. Is it gone? Are you playing with yourself or what? Al-Latif. Allah does not ignore that. Even if you saw something for a second, Allah does not ignore that. He is Latif. parents for granted. We think we can do whatever we want with them and as we get older we have kids of our own we realize what they did for us and what they were for us. But alhamdulillah most of us have the opportunity to go back and say to our parents forgive us. But with Allah if you don't reflect now you're not gonna once you die you're not gonna have the opportunity to come back and say I'm sorry for what I did. Yes. So he's Al-Latif and he is also Al-Khabir. And by the way the name Al-Latif it has a second meaning as well. Because latafa also means to be kind and friendly. Ibn Abbas, he said, Allah, He is kind towards His servants. He is al-latif, meaning He is kind towards His servants, His friends. In the Quran we learn, Allah huwa liyuladina amanu, yukhrijuhum min al-dhulumati ila nur So He is al-latif, al-khabir, the acquainted. So you can never hide from Him. You can't even hide your eyes from Him. You cannot even hide your vision from Him. What can you hide from him? Nothing. You're always under his surveillance. This is who Allah is.